Now in its 25th year, Semicon Taiwan opened in Taipei on Wednesday. It's Taiwan's marquee trade show for semiconductors, bring together leading industry players like TSMC and ASC Technology. Due to restrictions on international travel, Semicon is accommodating overseas buyers with its first ever online exhibit, which combines live streaming and video networking with a virtual reality experience of the showground. Premier Su Zhenchang helped kick off this year's Semicon Taiwan. Due to the pandemic, overseas buyers were encouraged to attend Semicon's first ever virtual exhibition. This year, due to public health measures in place globally, many foreign companies are unable to come to Taiwan to see this exhibition. So Semicon created a VR online exhibition, which lets you tour the whole floor in 360 degrees. TSMC's 5 nanometer manufacturing process began mass production in the second quarter, with production capacity set to triple in 2022. TSMC is also heading into 2 nanometers to leave rival Samsung in the dust. Meanwhile, Taiwan's ASE group has established itself as a global leader in packaging and testing. This year, the output value of Taiwan semiconductors is set to surpass 3 trillion NT, setting a record high and outpacing South Korea. Taiwan is on track to rank second in the world after the U.S. Technology like 5G will give a fairly large boost to market shares and shipments. We vendors on the supply chain feel that the market response so far, as well as the forecast for orders later on, are both quite good. Sending a positive signal about the local chip supply chain, a Japanese wafer equipment manufacturer in Taiwan is ramping up recruitment. We currently have our headquarters in Shinchu Science Park, and this year we increased our Taiwan investment in areas like talent hiring. At our sites in Linko, Central Taiwan Science Park, and Southern Taiwan Science Park, we are expanding. This year we will reach more than 1,000 employees. According to the industry group SEMI, cloud and server demand is set to drive growth momentum in the semiconductor market. In 2020, the global chip industry's production value is expected to grow 3.3% year-on-year to reach 426 billion U.S. dollars. The Yuanda Polaris Research Institute has slightly increased its 2020 growth forecast for Taiwan to 1.63% from the 1.5% it predicted in March. The revision comes after better-than-expected exports performance in the second quarter, as well as Taiwan's success in controlling COVID. On the exports front, Taiwan has been doing better than projected. There have been market opportunities in remote communications. Those products all require many key components supplied by Taiwan's electronics sector. Several major economic forecasting organizations and institutions have raised their GDP forecast for Taiwan in the second half of the year and for next year. This is a reflection of Taiwan's control of the pandemic and the responses of our electronics industry. These factors have given Taiwan's economy a better development outlook for next year. For next year, the think tank projects GDP growth of 3.1%. It also expects the new Taiwan dollar to continue appreciating next year to approach 29 NT per U.S. dollar. The Industrial Technology Research Institute on Tuesday held a workshop on strategies for sustainable power resource planning. 
As Taiwan's energy demand grows year-on-year, scientists say new strategies are needed to make a sustainable blueprint for Taiwan's future. The adoption of energy efficiency measures alongside renewables, energy storage, smart grids and decentralized power are some elements experts say are needed. E3 Sustainable Power Workshop brought together experts from home and abroad to discuss Taiwan's energy strategy. The event featured presentations from those in industry as well as academia. The first topic was loading order. Another was integrated resource planning. That's how to construct a coherent power network with diverse sources each used at the right time. Say you need to spend some money. Where should you get the cash from? From your current account, your fixed term deposit? Or maybe from an investment fund, your stocks, or even your property? Of course, you have a hierarchy for which source to choose first. So our power loading order is the same. When you have a problem with the power system, what do you use to solve it? Traditionally, when power demand grew, the industry would build more power stations. But now there are more options. Energy efficiency measures, renewable energy, smart grids, energy storage and decentralized power production. With so much to choose from, how can Taiwan make best use of its resources? There are examples abroad. On the renewable energy side, there's wind power, solar power and sources of energy storage. All these can make our energy usage more versatile and flexible. In terms of energy demand, if we do nothing to manage it and allow the demand to keep growing by 2 to 5 percent every year, then our power stations will never catch up, nor can our land bear such a big burden. As energy demand continues to grow, extreme climate events are becoming more and more frequent globally. Taiwan has committed to cut its greenhouse gas emissions to less than 50 percent of 2005 levels by the year 2050. Atri hopes symposia like this one will bring cutting-edge ideas into Taiwan, opening the door to a sustainable future. Since August, the Philippines has reported 18 COVID infections in arrivals from Taiwan. Japan also reported one infection in a Taiwanese arrival. In response, Taiwan's health officials have been conducting contact tracing for all 19 cases. So far, none of the patient's close contacts in Taiwan have tested positive. Of course, from an expert's perspective, it's a bit suspicious. So we will continue contact tracing and we'll see when the results are out. Taiwan also announced a change to its policy of testing all Philippine arrivals at the airport. Starting September 24th, asymptomatic arrivals will be tested not at the airport, but during their mandatory quarantine period at a government facility. Today, some of the world's best-known entrepreneurs are living in Taipei, working on new ventures. Last Wednesday, Tech Minister Wu Zhenzhong invited them to set up shop at the Taiwan Tech Arena, a startup incubator established in 2018. The minister hopes they'll bring new ideas to the TTA startup ecosystem and strengthen the bridge between Taiwan and the world. We're currently at TTA, a co-working space in Taipei. There are currently over 200 startups that work here. In the past few years, exceptional entrepreneurs from overseas have been choosing Taiwan for their new ventures. Last Wednesday, the Ministry of Science and Technology gave 11 of them VIP membership cards to the Taiwan Tech Arena. So right now we have more than 10 uh, very famous entrepreneurs. Uh, They uh, come and also reside in TTA. 
of course, for for those entrepreneurs, they have many many uh, you know uh, tra uh, uh, very ex excellent uh, trade records. You know, so I think this is a good opportunity for them uh, to bring their uh, experience, their experience of Silicon Valley to Taiwan, and also connect to Taiwan and help our domestic entrepreneurs uh, to. Uh, link to Silicon Valley as well. The card grants a 50% discount on office rent and access to the incubator's resources. One entrepreneur who's already set up a base at TTA is Steve Chen, co-founder of YouTube. I think that it would be great to be able to create a company here in Taiwan that is you know, uh, invested in, by venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, uh, Series A, Series B rounds, and then potentially be collaborating with some of the, uh, the companies like Facebook and Google in Silicon Valley. Chen is working on a venture of his own that will use Taiwan as a test site before expanding to a global market. He and his Taiwan team plan to announce the project by the end of the year. He says Taiwan has a strong startup ecosystem with an exceptional talent pool. There are a lot of great things here in Taiwan that just doesn't exist in Silicon Valley. The engineers are very good, they're very creative, they have a lot of energy, and they work well together as a team. Another returnee is Jameson Shu, who sold his startup Mochi Media for a cool 80 million US dollars in 2010. Shu is preparing to set up a fitness technology company at TTA. The fitness industry in Taiwan is uh, very interesting from the perspective that a lot of manufacturers are in Taiwan. Uh, the people working on technology for fitness are a lot of people are in Taiwan already. So uh, we think it's a great place to be to build a fitness tech company. There's also Guitar Hero co-developer Kai Huang and Chris Wang, the CEO and founder of the blockchain startup Thundercore. Both say that now is the time to invest in Taiwan companies or to start a business in Taiwan. There's more people coming back, there's more people doing startups, um, there's more people investing. So it's actually the startup ecosystem has gotten quite exciting, I think. And what's even more exciting to me is over, I think over the next six to 12 months, with a lot of people um, coming from all over the world um, through the Gold Card program, I think that's going to create a really interesting mix of talent. So I think right now Taiwan actually has an advantage here because Taiwan is one of the few places where people could actually get together and work together. And I, want, I think the entrepreneurs should really use this opportunity to try to excel and try to compete globally. In total, 11 entrepreneurs of Taiwanese heritage were issued VIP membership cards last Wednesday. They include Race Capital partner Phil Chen and Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment Executive Vice President Steve Chang. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Wang Yansen in Taipei. Last year, Norwegian athlete Gustav Egan Eden shot to fame in Taiwan after he won a triathlon while wearing a cap issued by a Zhanghua temple. Last weekend, Eden won yet another triathlon with the lucky cap on his head. Over at the cat's place of origin in Taiwan, locals call Eden a source of pride for their community. Last November, Eden traveled to Taiwan to pay his respects at the Zhanghua Temple that made his lucky cap, with which he won a triathlon. Less than a year later, the legend of the cap lives on. Last Sunday, Eden won a triathlon in Rattingen, Germany. Pictures of him crossing the finish line show him wearing the temple's cap. He completed the 51.5-kilometer race in just 1 hour 37 minutes and 49 seconds, two minutes before the second-place finisher. 
His time was a personal best, and no one could be prouder than the people of Puyin Township. It's a bit like magic, like a legend. For us, it's put Puyin on the map. Last year, the triathlete ignited a cap craze in Taiwan. One year later, Victory Cap has once again taken center stage. Locals at Puyin say they're praying for Eden so that he'll score another gold next year at the Tokyo Olympics. The Weichun Dragons have announced the most expensive player signing in the history of Taiwanese pro baseball. At a press event on Wednesday, Dragons management said they've signed former Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher Wang Weichong to a five-year, three-month contract worth 2.08 million U.S. dollars. And that's more than 61 million NT dollars, making him the most expensive player of the CPBL. Wang will wear Dragons jersey number 16 in honor of its mother's birthday. The Weichun Dragons is only is in the minors this season, but it will move up to the majors in 2021 with an eye on reaching the championships. The men's basketball team of National Jinju University has opened a cafe. The team's managers team up with a popular coffee chain to help the young men develop a second skill set. So far, the shop has been a great success, serving up different refreshments with an athletic vibe. A dash of milk goes into the coffee, followed by froth with a heart pattern for a perfect latte. Isn't it odd how all the cafe staff are so tall and fit? That's because they're all members of the NCCU Griffins basketball team. When I went from being a team member to this job, at first I felt quite frustrated. But when I'm serving customers, if they say our coffee's good or some particular thing is great, I feel a little sense of achievement. Those who know the men on the court, going all out to score a point, might be surprised to see them in aprons, paragons of customer service. Athletes' careers are brief. If you don't plan ahead, the future can be worrying. The fact that the cafe is doing so well really lets us relax. The team's managers worked with the coffee shop chain to help the players develop a second skill set. This is the first such athletic cafe in Taiwan. Athletes have an appetite for challenge. I think in any career, that will always make you the most appealing candidate to the boss. Since the cafe opened for its first trial, it has found favor with students and faculty alike at NCCU. They hope that a high standard of professionalism will keep that early success going. An organic farm in Xinzhou has a very unusual business model. The farm's owner, Chen Long first takes the orders from his customers and then plans his production accordingly. The former tech experts say the grown-to-order model helps him reduce labor. Let's see how it works. Farm workers weigh vegetables and pack them up for shipping. But this farm doesn't work like most. Produce is grown to order. If I can first sell the product, then take the order, and then plan my production based on the orders, then I can reduce my workforce as much as possible, and no labor is wasted. Chen collects orders from customers based on growing seasons of 15 weeks. He plans the planting after they've paid. Before entering farming, Chen was the CEO of a tech company for over 20 years. 
After his business folded in the wake of the financial crisis and the SARS epidemic, he turned to the land. I came back to farming for two reasons. One was I couldn't find a job. The other was my father-in-law getting on in age. And there was a plot of land here, and I thought I would start from the land. So I came back here with my wife to her parents' home and started to grow organic produce. I took it step by step and kept going up until today. The farm also works with National Jiaotong University, every summer inviting young people from around the world to come and try out organic farming in Taiwan. It's organic advocacy as well as great publicity for the country.